Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to... <laughs> I forgot the name of my own podcast. Popcorn of the Sea podcast. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Spock. I'm your host. And here we go. Today, we're excited. Um, we have Hagen Jensen, one of my good friends, on to talk about uh, one of his celebrity crushes and just a few other things. We're going to have a little fun back and forth. Uh, we're going to talk about our ideal movies, uh, who would direct it, who would star in it, and you know, what genre that would be. So we're going to have a fun time talking about that in a little bit. But first, um, I'm going to do just another movie spotlight. Um, this one, I'm kicking it back all the way to 1964 with Dr. Strangelove, or the, I guess there's actually two titles for it. One title is Dr. Strangelove, and the other one is Dr. Strangelove or colon, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. That was the original title. This is a movie that's directed by the great and late Stanley Kubrick. Um, Stanley Kubrick directed movies like 2001 Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, some of those like really intense but also very critically acclaimed movies. Um, he's definitely known as one of the best directors of all time. Uh, but this movie, he takes kind of a step away from from his quote-unquote usual stuff. And, well, I guess this was, this was also earlier on in his career, but um, it sticks out just differently from from the other movies that he has and this movie um, stars Peter Sellers who is one of the best comedic actors of all time and maybe just one of the best actors of all time he um, played Inspector Clouseau in the old Pink Panther movies and he is absolutely phenomenal and hilarious and he plays three different people in this movie this is something that he's really good at um, is playing different characters in the same movie. So um, basically the premise of this movie is that there, there's a general whose name is Jack D. Ripper, <laughs> and uh, he triggers a nuclear bomb. And so it kind of flashes between the people that are in the plane back to um, the people that are in the war room that are trying to discuss how they can stop this code red plan that has been put into, into action. And uh, it's really hilarious because Peter Sellers plays Dr. Strangelove, who is um, this Russian doctor, as well as the American president. And so he kind of has like this back and forth banter with himself. Um, yeah, I, I, this is just like peak Peter Sellers. It's wonderful. And uh, it's really hilarious. Also, this movie's rated PG. Um, so it's just kind of fun to like go back and watch as a, as a wholesome movie, you know? Uh, it's an hour and 35 minutes, which is one of my favorite things. I love when movies are uh, right around an hour and a half. Um, it stars a young James Earl Jones. He's um, obviously known as the voice of Darth Vader and the voice of Mufasa from The Lion King. But he plays one of the pilots that's uh, that's in the planes. And um, yeah, just just the way just the way that the the movie is written and directed and um, where it goes back and forth between the different settings and has Peter Sellers and all these different costumes and different accents and being super funny. It's just, it's just really a great watch. It flies by. You find yourself giggling throughout some of the stuff. You don't know if you're supposed to laugh at it or not. Uh, um, it's in 1964. So it's like right after all of the, um, the red scare and the stuff with Russia. So obviously this was made at a time when those feelings were really, really strong. And, um, it's just, it's just really a great movie from Stanley Kubrick. So, um, that's my recommendation. 
this movie is another one that just fits right in the butter and salt category, so certainly a strong uh, recommendation from me. Um, give us 30 seconds for a quick advertisement, and we'll be back with the interview with Hagen. We're happy to have Hagen Jensen here on the pod today. Um, Hagen, you're our first guest. Welcome. <laughs> How are you doing today? Doing well. Yeah, the quarantine, it's, I feel like it's still in full swing, but it's waning a little bit. It's been nice to be able to be outside a little bit more this week, which is good. Man. Yeah, it's felt good. I hope that it's reaching the end. My brother's getting married this weekend, so it would be a little, <laughs> little awkward if, <laughs> if no one you know. shows up. Yeah. So Maya and I just recorded a podcast um, about hall passes, listed some of our celebrity crushes. Um, I know you probably haven't had a chance to listen to that, mostly because I haven't put it up yet. But um, just for the sake of conversation, who's who are some of your celebrity crushes? Yeah, this is a, a commonly debated topic in my life. And you already know my answer. <laughs> my girl, Florence Pugh. She's definitely takes the cake. You know, it's, I, I remember the first time I saw Little Women in theaters, like, I was just like drooling the whole time. And then when we got out of the theater, my parents <laughs> saw me and they're like, you look like you've seen a ghost. And I'm like, no, like, you don't understand. Like, no, mom, I've seen an angel, not a ghost. Yeah, I've seen an angel. And so I just, I started talking about her. And then like a few months later after it came out on digital, we were watching it again. And I just wouldn't shut up. They had to keep telling me to shut up because I just kept raving about how gorgeous she was throughout the whole movie. I was like, if Florence Pugh in a smock painting is like a pipe dream for me. Like, it's just, it's not okay. But anyway. (laughs) So, so obviously, um, obviously Little Women is one of her, one of her great movies. Um, Have you seen any of her other movies that she's made? Yeah, I've seen most of Midsommar. Um, I've also seen Fight Wait, with My Hold Family. on, let's, let's just talk about Midsommar for a second. Wow, <laughs> what, a, what a watch. <laughs> See, I, this is me. This is my experience watching Midsommar. You know, I was sitting there and I was, you know, thinking, wow, like Florence Pugh, like she has range because all I had seen up of her up until that point was Little Women. And she's like very happy and kind of boppy and just full, like happy, like just throughout the whole thing. In, in Little Women, you mean? In Little Women, yeah. Yeah. And in Midsommar, it's like she's just so repressed and sad and just... She's just going through the ringer. Like she is just so good at like expressing. Like I, I can't. I feel like in a lot of Oscar-y type movies, the the main woman, like female role, is often shown expressing those kinds of emotions. But with her, I it was like a different kind of like raw, just very grounded. You know, like how I imagine someone would actually be in real life. It didn't feel as much like a movie. It almost felt like someone was just filming a girl actually like having a panic attack. Yeah, for sure. She does really good at showing her emotion throughout that and kind of showing how someone would go through the <laughs> the trauma cycle. Uh, she uh-huh. she has to go through some serious shit in that in that movie. So yeah, she does. Well, yeah. She does great. Uh, yeah, I think I it's. I don't know how I would react to seeing a grandma's head blow up on a rock, <laughs> but, but she nails it. <laughs> I know how I reacted in the theater, which was just close my eyes and wish I wasn't there. Um, so it's, I think it's important to note just while we're on this topic that um, the filming of Midsommar and Little Women were pretty much back to back. In fact, I think there was a little bit of overlap um, at the end of the movie, which is just really, crazy. really crazy. And it really shows Florence Pugh's versatility as an actor. You yeah. Know? Um, she's just highly emotional in in Midsummer and Midsummer, and obviously highly emotional in Little Women as well. But it's just completely different ends of the totally of the spectrum. Well, yeah, yeah it's so. nuts because I read a thing that was talking about just kind of how she would get in the zone for Midsummer with just these insane scenes, and she would just listen on her headphones to like people crying, 
and imagine her sisters dying and like just blast it and just like get in that emotional groove. And then as soon as her scene was up, like Ari Oster would be like, all right, let's go. And she'd take off the headphones and just go right into it. Like that's how she got into that mood. She just imagined her sisters dying, which is so sad, but if it works, you know? Yeah. It's some dark shit. <laughs> that's... I, I'm not going to go do that anytime soon. <laughs> that's somebody yeah. emo would just be chilling in a corner doing, but I mean, so, so besides um, Little Women and Midsummer, have you seen Florence in any other roles? Yeah, so I saw her in Fighting With My Family, which was good. Like, nothing super special, but she was funny in it. Like, she was her regular British self, and she looked kind of goth throughout it, which was kind of funny. Uh, fighting With My Family is actually a, telling a real-life story of a female wrestler. Is that correct? Yes. It's like, uh, I, think it's just, I think it's based on actual events. So yeah, it's like not. It's, it's like, definitely based on. Not like, it's not like it's not like a like a biography or anything, but it's like based on like actual events. But yeah, it's her and her brother, and they're like big time wrestlers, like in their hometown in England, and then they audition for a chance to go to the U.S. to wrestle with like one of the best camps there. And her brother doesn't make it, but she does, and she doesn't really care about it that much as much as she does. But she gets it, and it's just kind of about her like going through that and being a British girl in like this really Americanized society that she's not used to. It was pretty good. It was funny. Overall, would you recommend that movie? Yeah. I think it's just, it's not like a movie you're going to talk about for hours on end. It's not like some deep profound story, but it's just like a fun, you know, crowd pleaser. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, it fits for the listeners of this, of this podcast. It fits right in the, the light kettle corn range. And it's just, it's just right, right in the middle. It's just, it's just, it's a good watch. I give it a, a recommend for sure. Um, so check it out. I believe it's on Hulu or Amazon Prime right now, one of the two. Yeah, I think you're right. And yeah, and honestly, the main draw for me was Florence Pugh. I don't know if I would have taken the bet on it if she wasn't in it. I was like, oh, Florence is in this movie. Like, I'll definitely watch it. And so that was one of the main reasons I, I, I decided to turn it on. So. The Rock has a nice cameo in it as well. So uh, if you like, <laughs> yeah, if you like Florence or The Rock, I would definitely say to check that movie out. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else to say about Florence Pugh before we take a step oh do i have things to say i do but to spare our (laughs) listeners i won't go into it (laughs) all right we'll keep it we'll keep it pg-13 for now so moving on we uh actually hagan you're the one that that keep me in onto this new movie that was announced um it's a movie that's called don't worry darling Mm -hmm. uh and this is a movie that florence Pugh is going to be the lead in can you tell us a little bit more about about the movie yeah so i was just on twitter the other day and i follow a bunch you know twitter movie accounts and things like that and like boom like tweet like posted right as it was coming and it said it was just talking about how florence Pugh, chris pine shia labeouf and olivia wilde were all going to be involved in a movie directed by olivia wilde a a psycho thriller and that florence Pugh was going to be the lead and like florence Pugh alone would have been like a pretty bomb movie like just and by, <laughs> yeah, you would have been excited for that. But then they went ahead and just flexed on us so hard and added Shia LaBeouf <laughs> and Chris Pine. And I was just ecstatic. And I immediately, of course, had to send it to you because I knew you would feel the same way. So, yeah, of course, Shia's my boy. So uh, your boy. I was quite excited to hear about Shia. And then um, Olivia Wilde, she directed Booksmart, the movie that came out mm-hmm. last yeah. year, um, which I rated really high. I really, really enjoyed that movie. Um, it's kind of a 20, 2019 female version of super bad if you haven't yeah. seen book smart um it's it's also on hulu right now so if you haven't seen that i would definitely recommend it um but yeah olivia wilde is following up her directorial debut of book smart with this movie don't worry darling um and it's it kind of 
I mean, you heard Hagen just go through the list of the people that are confirmed to be in this movie. It kind of hits every every point of a of a perfect movie, in my opinion. For me, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm definitely going to be the target audience of this movie. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting because Booksmart's definitely like a comedy, like kind of a romp, and so it'll be yeah. interesting to see Olivia Wilde kind of make that transition because I feel like she's like always been a pretty good actress, but like to have her do this huge directorial shift in tone, it'll be kind of interesting to see because like psycho thrillers, like you can either screw the pooch on it or it can be like one of the best movies ever, you know, like it'll be really interesting to see what kind of angle she goes at it. Cause I did, did you see, I, they released the kind of the basic premise of the movie as well. Mm. Like, how it's gonna be, it. yeah. So it's going to be set in the 1950s in a small town in the desert of California and Florence Pugh is playing a, like a housewife and she's just in a very like, like utopian society of just like happy people watering their lawns and riding bikes and being, you know, kind of like in Indiana Jones four, when he stumbles upon the nuke zone, that's what I imagined when I read it. And I don't know uh, anything about Indiana Jones four. I oh, pretend that movie doesn't exist. So. I don't blame you. But that's what, it, that's what it brought me to mind. But anywho, it's just, the, I think the premise is what they said is just, it's going to be her kind of just realizing something about her perfect life that like her quote unquote perfect life that actually isn't perfect. And then, it turns in like a sinister way. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely going to be Sign looking forward up. to that movie. That sounds yeah. wonderful. And that should be coming out sometime in 2021, I, I believe. So, yeah, yeah that's, when it's, that's when it's shooting for. So that's definitely one to get excited for. If movie theaters do, in fact, ever open their doors again, don't even uh, don't even talk like that. <laughs> you, can, you can sign me up to be on the front row for, for that one. Um, when, when I know we, we had a discussion about this, Hagen, um, when you first sent me that, the tweet, um, you kind of said like, this is the perfect answer to one of those, those tweets that say, if you could choose a director and a few stars, who would you choose? You know, like your, your dream movie, basically. If you could, if you could craft your dream movie um, with a director, with a star, with a couple co-stars and a genre, this Don't Worry Darling Olivia Wilde's movie um, kind of hits, kind of hits every point for, for us. Um, but I wanted to yeah. ask you, um, kind of just have a little, a little play here, that if, if you could choose one of those, who would, what director would you choose? What star would you choose? What co-stars would you choose? And what genre would you choose? Yeah. And the funny thing is, is you see those all the time on Twitter. And I, all, of course, always participate in them because I think it's so fun. Because usually they just give you like a, some options. Like they say, like, you need to do this. Like one of these five directors, one of these five actors, blah, 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 like this genre, whatever. Um, and I think it's so fun because it's just fun to imagine like what those films could be and like kind of what you think they'd be like based on what you've seen from their past works. Um, and like obviously I have like a, a bunch of my favorite directors and things like that. But something I was thinking about, um, I would love to see a follow-up movie for Bong Joon-ho after Parasite. Mm. Um, set in America as opposed to Korea because I think it was really fun to kind of get his take on Korea. I think it'd be really fun to get Bong Joon-ho's take on America um, with kind of that same kind of psycho thriller premise. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of the messages and a lot of the subliminal sub, like subliminal messages within Parasite are reflecting Korea as a whole, South Korea as a whole. Right. And, I, and right. He's, he's been pretty involved with American actors and people pretty much his whole career so it'd be fun just to kind of see that level of detail and that level of perception um on the american side and so for director i'd be going with bong joon ho um in a thriller 
And for the actors, I thought about this quite a bit. I, I thought this could go either way, but either a Jordan Peele-esque type, but I was, I, I was going to go with Lakeith Stanfield. He's the, an up-and-coming actor who's been in movies like Get Out. He's been in, was he in, no, he wasn't in Black Klansman. He was in Last Black Man in San Francisco, right? Um, I actually didn't see it. I don't know. I didn't either, but I looked at his IMDb recently. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he was. But anyway, he he's been. He was also in like a the uh, recent movie Knives Out that a lot of people saw. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one. Was the rom com mm-hmm. that he was in recently? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that was really good. Um, but anyway, he's just kind of an up and rising actor. Um, super talented. Um, I just really enjoy him. He just kind of has like a mood about him, and I think he could do really well, um, kind of being the lead in a in a psycho thriller about America. Um, and then, wow. what do you? Th- <laughs> you I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. That's right in my alley. Cool. Um, um, and then for, I thought about this for the two supporting actors. I, I, I slash actresses. I wasn't really sure kind of how I wanted to like tie it in because he. I feel like he's very much a presence, and you can't like. I was debating whether to have him kind of have to be fighting for the attention or just absolutely dominating the attention, and having two kind of more pushover type actors in it. Mm. um okay but and i was i was tempted to put my girl florence in there as well but <laughs> i figured i might as well not I, I'll, I'll leave her for some other ideal moves for me in the future but for this one i'll leave florence out um but for other actors so i, I so we got keith stanfield as the lead um and then for the second one who did i want let me see i wanted I had like a list of like 10 people that I couldn't see. I couldn't decide on because they're all so good. Oh, Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy. Okay. Tom Hardy. But he would be like, he would be like a one. Of, he wouldn't be the lead, obviously, but he'd have like a pretty significant role in the movie. Whatever so Tom, Tom Hardy is the guy that um, is in Venom. He's the main, mm-hmm. main guy in Venom. He's in Mad Max Fury Road. But he's played some awesome side characters um, in movies like um, Inception is the first one that comes to yeah. Yeah, if he played like a little side role like Inception, that would be really good. Yeah, because um, he's, he's really good at just those quick one-liners, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's pretty quick-witted and has that British feel about him. So he mm-hmm. would definitely bring some good energy to a to yeah. a side role. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Continue. and, I, and I, yeah, and especially with Tom Hardy, because like in Venom, I feel like that character he played when he was playing Eddie Brock in that movie it was very non-traditional for him. Usually, he's kind of a little bit more elegant, even though he's like usually like a mercenary or something. He was like he was like kind of like grungy and like kind of just like day-to-day American dude. And I was like, that could be kind of fun. Like, you know, him being in a movie like that, just being like, cause he's going to be playing Al Capone in that new movie coming out. Yeah, I think it's later this year. Yeah. Um, and that's like American gangster as it gets like that is grungy <laughs> to the max, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. And so I thought, you know, he, he's kind of been on a super sharp trajectory in the last 10 years. And I think it'd be a really cool kind of unique role for him. He hasn't really been in a movie like this before. And I think it'd be cool to just kind of show off his range in that sense. So Great. love the pick. Lakeith. Yeah. We got Lakeith and Tom. Um, and then for the third, I wanted to go with an actress um, just to mix things up for the most part. Sure. And like I said, I was originally going to put Florence Pugh in, but I was like, I can't beat the Florence Pugh thing to a, to a pulp. <laughs> um, and I started thinking, you know, who are some of my other favorite actresses, you know, on the scene today and like who's been killing it and, Honestly, there, there's been quite a few just people doing totally different things. Like Florence Pugh, like you said, has done Little Women, and she's done Midsommar, which cannot be on farther ends of the spectrum as far as right. movies go. Right. Um, trying to think. I, I was still kind of internally debating this last one. <sighs> this is difficult. 
That's a tough choice. Okay, I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go with Emma Stone. Um, oh, Emma Stone, kind of like a lot of other people. I've I've loved her in some things, and I've just been kind of huh, about some other things. But pretty lukewarm on some of her other stuff. Pretty lukewarm on some of her other stuff. But I think there was no denying for me that she's very versatile, and she can honestly like take on a lot of different roles. And I feel like for the most part, other than like. Like obviously in like a crowd favorite La La Land, she's like happy and she's fun and everyone loves her and she's very talented and it shows how talented she is in that movie. But I feel like I've never seen like the dark side of Emma Stone. And I think that would be kind of fun. Like we've seen kind of more like downtrend Emma Stone and like Birdman or something, but like mm. like kind of get into like a dark character like thriller with Emma Stone, I think would be really fun. I think um, she definitely has the the capacity so yeah. to do it. I think she's a, a wonderful actor and uh I loved her in Birdman, so I yeah. think she could definitely play that part. I thought for sure you were going to say Amy Adams. Um, I know that's your girl, <laughs> so I thought for sure you are going to end it with that. Don't even make fun of that. <laughs> Amy Adams, my two two movies I like of Amy Adams, Enchanted and Arrival. That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. All right. Those are good movies. Yeah, yeah they're um, great. <laughs> all right, Higgin, that, that was a good list. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share mine now. See what, oh, see, yeah. I've some been of your thoughts. On, I've been waiting on the edge of my seat to hear yours. All right. Well, I guess I'll go the same way that you did. Um, first, we'll start with the director. Mine's got to be the third feature film from Jordan Peele. I was um, so close to doing that. Like I said, like this could have been a Jordan Peele or a Bong Joon-ho movie. Yeah. One Jordan Peele just really knocked it out of the park with his first uh, feature film that was Get Out. And yeah. um, I really liked his second film, his follow-up film, which was Us. Uh, it wasn't... I, I mean, it was successful at the box office, but it wasn't quite as critically acclaimed. Yeah. as get out but um i think it had some great social ideas and and so i i want to choose um jordan peele directing his third movie that would also be a psychological social thriller um i feel like we're we're going for some similar types of movies here it's all the rage um, nowadays that kind of movie is killing it yeah yeah so so yeah um and then i think that the main star in this movie would be my love my boy christian bale nice uh, he could just do just do a wonderful job, I think. Um, and it would be really awesome to get a main character that's um, not a person of color because it's probably going to be about um, the race issues that are going on in America. And so I think it would be interesting and provide a certain juxtaposition to have Christian Bale as the lead. Um, yeah. as, for, as for a female lead, um, I would want Jordan Peele to team back up with Lupita Nyong'o. He's good. Uh, who's wonderful people will probably know her from us or she was also in black panther she was in the oscar-winning movie 12 years a slave um she's just a wonderful actor very talented and i know that she would play really good alongside christian bale um and then for the third the third co-star that i chose i want to know how you feel about this one um john boyega what yeah john boyega as as the third as the little co-star i think he could be really awesome you know come in with he he could even be the he could be the villain in the movie maybe yeah, because he like he was in, obviously in Star Wars, and like everyone probably know him as Finn in, in the new Star Wars, you know, sequels. Yeah, and he was in Pacific Rim as well, and Detroit, I think, as well. Mm. Um, I think Detroit was an A twenty four film, wasn't it? That sounds right to me. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it myself, but yeah, that's yeah, right. I haven't either. But that that could be interesting because he's British, and he, I feel like Finn was like a fun like kind of come out role for him, but it'd be fun to kind of delve into what he could maybe do in a more serious non like IP movie like this. One thing we know for sure is that he can yell Ray, Ray, 
really well. We got a lot of we got a lot of that, a lot of that in Rise of Skywalker. That was I think, uh, I think he did it at least twice in all three movies. I'm not <laughs> it was about seventy percent of his dialogue in Rise of Skywalker. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe that's, that's why hilarious. I read it so low. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Oh, um, the hopefully, there's no shouting of Ray in this in this movie by Jordan Peele. But I think that I think that uh, Christian Bale, Lupita Nyong'o, and John Boyega would be would be the choices for me. That'd be fun. That'd be really yeah. fun. Yeah, I think I'm sure you can agree on this. But it was like honestly at this point, like there wasn't like one specific set of people that was like triumphant over all my other picks. It just came down to me picking one of my little sets that I had because it's just so fun. I do it all the time in my head. I'm just like, well, like this kind of movie with this director and these actors and like this, this composer, this cinematographer, I, I do that all the time. And so, yeah. Yeah. You sound like a a real cinephile. Oh yeah. I can definitely, uh, I'm diagnosed. (laughs) Diagnosed cinephile. Yep. All right. Last thing. uh, It's been so great having you on. I just want to ask you one question. Um, I want to ask everyone that comes on as a guest on, on the pod. Um, What's one of your three favorite movies of all time? Yeah, I, I'm sure you could probably see this one coming. I I feel like this movie has been a movie I've always loved. But up until recently, as I've been, you know, doing a lot more research and like listening to a lot more podcasts and reading a lot more articles and things like that, that I realized I'm not alone in loving this movie because it's just so like talked about even, you know, 10 years later. And that movie is The Social Network. Um, one of David Fincher's feature films that was released in 2010 um it was you know it made quite it made like a, a like a decent amount of money at the box office and then it also was nominated for like seven oscars i believe it was and it was considered a huge you know snuff when it didn't win best picture at the oscars that year um mm. of course being beat out by king's speech which is also a great movie but i personally like social network a lot more um but yeah this yeah, movie me too, for, for me sure. it's gotta like for me one sometimes I feel like for the most part, my favorite movies tend to be the ones I love watching over and over again. Like I'll, I can watch and appreciate a great film and acknowledge that it's great, but it won't be one of my favorites unless I want to go and revisit it over and over again. Absolutely. For example, I agree with you on that. Like, have you seen the movie silence by Martin Scorsese? I have like that movie was amazingly shot, extremely deep and just well thought out and just extremely profound. And, I learned a lot from it and I was, I really appreciate it for the piece of art that it was, but you know, like I, I don't think I'll ever see it again just because it was so heavy and so kind of a hard watch. You know what I mean? Definitely. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. They're, they're like great pieces of art. They're great yes. pieces of cinema, but it's not necessarily my favorite movie ever. Yeah. yeah. So, so social network is obviously the movie about the making of Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Starring Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield and Army Hammer, uh, a, lot of, a, a lot of faces that we've seen um, a lot after this movie. So it's definitely, um, I would definitely recommend that movie. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. So any of the listeners, I would recommend to go check out The Social Network if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. And, and Keep watching it. <laughs> yeah, keep watching it. Yeah, I've been trying to convince my family ever since it came out on Netflix. I've been pining for it pretty much every night. They'll be like, what do you want to watch tonight? And my suggestion <laughs> for two right, every night. Social network. Social network. Like, Social like, network. I, that's literally what it was. My dad was like, who has any recommendations? I'm like, you don't want to hear mine. Like, yeah, we don't. Because I've been listening to the same one every night. But yeah, I love it. Uh-huh. It's so entertaining from beginning to end. And, yeah, it's great. You guys heard it here. Go ahead and check out Social Network. Hagen. Thank you so much for coming on to the pod. Um, it's been yeah, wonderful. For me. We'll have you again for sure. 
absolutely. Uh, all right. Thanks, Take man. Take care out there. Stay Thanks. safe. You too. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to my interview with Hagen. Uh, we're happy to have him, and hopefully we'll have more guests on in the, in the weeks to come. Join me next week on Popcorn Under the Seat for a review of Netflix's new rom-com, The Half of It. Thanks, guys. Take care out there.